Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals. It's the Super Bowl show presented by Northwest Tank Lines to deliver and sponsored in part by the Pioneers Pub Richmond, OK Tire Langley and the Rivers Reese Liquor Store. Now from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles, here's Bob the Moj Marjanovic. It's the Moj coming to you from Radio Row at the Los Angeles Convention Center in Los Angeles, California. Of course, the site of Super Bowl 56 pitting. The Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC champs versus the NFC champs and hometown Los Angeles Rams. And thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening. So much to get to as we begin our 22nd year. Check that 21st year, if I'm doing the math correctly, at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Of course, we started way back when. In February of 2001, in fact, January 28th, the Ravens and the Giants. That was our very first Super Bowl that we covered. But everyone since, except Tampa Bay and Kansas City because of COVID, of course. So, yeah, 21st year on Radio Row. It's crazy to think how time has flown by, but yet here we are. Just to give you a brief description of what's going on here at Radio Row, a little different because of COVID times. Usually we have all these tables with all these shows are, are packed Side by side this year, we've got the spacing, of course, about 10, 12 feet between tables. But it's still a huge area. Of course, all the big heavyweights are here. Fox Sports, as I look to my left, I got Sirius XM NFL Radio, the whole Sirius shows. Uh, we've got FanDuel to our right. CBS Sports is here. They're off to one side. So it's a busy, busy area kind of slow today to be honest but it will pick up of course throughout the course of the week and we will have monster shows for you of course throughout the week as we talk to all the big names that float through radio row now got to mention one thing right off the get-go and that's the fact that the big fella chris burns is not here of course burnsy uh working hard with engel and volkers and unfortunately was not able to uh, attend this year's super bowl but we will have burnsy's best question for some of our guests today, some of our guests throughout the course of the show. Bernsey, of course, uh, would love to be here, but as we mentioned, couldn't make it because of his schedule. So uh, we still, we're still thinking about you, Bernsey, and we're still going to get some questions in courtesy of Chris Burns. Now, as for the shows this week, it's going to be different in the sense that, well, we don't know what's happening with COVID, who's coming, who's not. Uh, but we will have a, a solid lineup regardless. We're not too worried about what type of lineup we will have. But we will focus on the game, and we'll also talk to, to people from all across the National Football League, talk to them about their teams, talk to them about the future of the local squad, so to speak. So, you know, to start the show off today, we're going to have a lot of fun talking with Solomon Wilcots. Of course, Solomon with NFL on Sirius. Of course, Solomon, a longtime CBS analyst, of course, all formerly with ESPN Sunday Night Football. Does a podcast now out of Cincinnati with Pac-Man Jones that covers the Cincinnati Bengals. So you talk about an authority on the Bengals. It'll be great talking to Solomon right off the get-go. And, of course, we will also talk to Bill Michaels out of Green Bay. Of course, he covers the Packers. We'll get his thoughts on what happened to the Packers in the NFL playoffs and what happens with Aaron Rodgers and that organization moving forward. So looking forward to talking to those two guys. And our old friend, Nestor Nasty Aparicio, who's been to these Super Bowls even longer than I have. Of course, uh, he's out of Baltimore WNST. That's right. He owns his own radio station, folks. And we'll talk to him about not only this game, but what's happening with the Ravens as well. So that's the first hour of today's show. Looking forward to, to getting into it and having a lot of fun with these guys. And hope you have some fun as we continue to ramp up the activity throughout the course of the week. Now, of course, we have to thank our Super Bowl sponsors. Northwest Tank Lines, our title sponsor. Big thank you to Tommy Blaney and company. The folks at OK Tire and Langley, the Delaney's, Brett and Clayton, thank you so much for all of your support in having us here. And, of course, Ronnie Patterson, our good friend with the Pioneers Pub in Richmond and, of course, the Landing Pub in Ladner. Without those folks, we are not here. So a big thank you to them as they help subsidize this project for us this year and hopefully 
Yeah, if not, hopefully. We're going to tell you. We're going to give you some great shows throughout the course of the week. All right, first hour. We talked about it. We're going to go to Baltimore. We'll talk about the Ravens and the Super Bowl, of course, with Nasty Operatio. Bill Michaels out of Green Bay on the Packers in the big game. But coming up next, speaking of the big game, the man out of Cincinnati talking about the Bengals, Solomon Wilcots. This is the Super Bowl Show presented by Northwest Tank Lines. Northwest Tank Lines is North America's premier tank truck company. Northwest hauls more than 50,000 bulk loads every year safely and on time. It's why Northwest Tank Lines is the company others want to be. A family business with dedicated employees since 1955, Northwest Tank Lines provides exceptional service, state-of-the-art equipment, and the leading drivers. Northwest Tank Lines, driven to deliver. For more information, visit northwesttanklines.com. The biggest game in football is this Sunday. And the two best places to catch the action are Pioneers Pub and Ladner Landing. The crew at Pioneers Pub in Richmond are ready to welcome you with the coldest, freshest, cheapest beer in town. Plus food features and football pricing all day long. Meanwhile, at Ladner Landing, you'll be greeted by the best selection of cold craft beer and plenty of big game pricing and activities. Football Sunday. Catch the game at Pioneers Pub at number three in Williams in Richmond or the Landing Pub and Liquor Store in Ladner. Looking for tires? Looking to meet your automotive needs? Looking for great service? Well, it's the Moj, and whenever it comes to tires or meeting those automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire and Langley. OK Tire and Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire and Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. This is the Super Bowl Show, presented by Northwest Tank Lines, and sponsored in part by the Pioneers Pub Richmond, OK Tire Langley, and the Rivers Reach Liquor Store. Now, here again from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 in L.A., Bob the Moj Marjanovic. This is the Northwest Tank Line Super Bowl Show, coming to you from the Los Angeles Convention Center, Radio Row, of course, the Super Bowl featuring the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals and our next guest knows quite a bit about the Bengals seeing how he played for them covered them for many years still does of course formerly with ESPN and CBS the one and only Solomon Wilcox now with the Believe Network doing his podcast with Pac-Man Jones talking all things Bengals Solly great to see you nice to have you aboard well, Mo, it's always great to catch up with you. You and I tend to get to hang out every year at the Super Bowl, and this is kind of how we get together, um, besides over a nice little stogie, right? We get to talk mm-hmm. some NFL football. Thank you. Well, you talk about the Bengals, and let's talk about the Bengals, Sully. Um, I mean, if you would have told me two months ago that the Rams and the Bengals would be in the Super Bowl, I'd go, yeah, okay, whatever, right? Um, in fact, I, I was telling a friend, some, somebody, I was telling someone this the other day, I said, it's like if you were playing Madden and the Rams and the Bengals got to the Super Bowl, you go, this game's not realistic, that can't happen. <laughs> but it's here, it's Super Bowl 56, it's the Bengals. I mean, how surprised are you to see the Bengals here? You know, yeah, I think we have to say, yeah, we're all surprised. But if you really drill down deep and you go back and talk with Joe Burrow at the beginning of the year, he predicted greatness. As you well know, he's the kind of guy that's not short on confidence. It's not cockiness. It's just the level of confidence that he has in his own ability and talent. It tends to spread to his teammates. You go back and listen to Jamar Chase when the Bengals drafted him. Uh, he said he was going to break records. He said that they were going to accomplish great things. Um, if you just even listen to Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker, this guy's got confidence to loan you out a portion and still have enough for himself. Um, and so they are a young team, but they are a confident team. And the way that they've played, coming back down 14 points on three different occasions, week 17 against the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC North Division title, to come from behind again uh, from an 18-point deficit in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. I think it shows you just um, how not only talented the team is, um, what kind of intestinal fortitude they have, right? The ability to overcome adversity and, and still keep playing. And if you look at the roster, it's, it's built from guys from big-time programs who've had a lot of success at the collegiate level, and they're not surprised by the success that they're having at the pro level. You know, 
Solomon, you mentioned something interesting there. You talked about the success they've had through the season, the adversity they overcome. You talked about the previous game against the Chiefs. I, I call those reference points, right? I mean, yeah, they have absolutely. reference points of having success and being in an adverse situation. And, you know, they talked about the goal line stand right before the half against Kansas City, and a couple of the players were talking about the similar situation they faced against Jacksonville yeah. in week four. Mm -hmm. And they had to come up with a big stop right before the half to kind of keep the game within reach. And they kind of, like, you know, sourced that when they, they got into a similar situation. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, there were signs all year long that this team was something special. But, I mean, to me, when I look at the Bengals, I'm sorry, it starts with Joe Burrow. He's such a great young quarterback. You've seen a lot of quarterbacks during your time. Yeah. What is it about Burrow in your mind that makes him so special? Watched him a lot, um, particularly at LSU, and watched the way that he handles. You know, he played in a pro-style system uh, when he was at LSU. Had to operate under center. He understands um, defenses. Uh, when safeties rotate, uh, how to set protection, how to read the coverages, and how to get uh, the ball to the intended receiver, whether it's on a hot route or whether it's, he knows he's got to throw it down the field on the sideline and stop the clock because he has no timeouts left. He can operate at a very high level within a system um, that allows him to play at, at his best, and he controls the team. So from day one, he's been, he's been a leader here because he's, uh, you know, he can manage all the nuances of the offense and not – really overwhelmed when a crisis moment or a moment of adversity hit how many quarterbacks you know can get sacked nine times and get back up and keep yeah. slinging it keep slinging it mm -hmm. that inspires the other 52 guys by the way mm -hmm. secondly it shows you that he's made up of different stuff most quarterbacks they need everything right in order for them to be right he clearly has shown you that he doesn't need everything to be right to go out and play a great game, he's going to make sure that everybody else has an opportunity to win the game. He's like, look, I'm not going to lose it for us, and if it doesn't have to be perfect, it can be a little muddy, it can be a little messy, he's still going to find a way to win ball games. I'm not surprised at all by anything that Joe Burrow does. Do you know that you mentioned the nine sacks, and to me when I look at Cincinnati, the, the reason I've kind of shied away from them throughout these playoffs is because of that offensive line because mm -hmm. that you know mm -hmm. here's a team that gives up nine sacks but you know conversely you look at Burrow he gets the ball into the hands of his receivers rather quickly and the other thing too is when you look at the yak yardage particularly against Tennessee I think he threw for like 345 and it was like 242 with yak yardage mm -hmm. right I mean it was mm -hmm. it was crazy so I mean that's I think one of the the ways they counter things is by getting the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly and at the same time having athletes that can do stuff with the ball after they catch it. And then in that same game, too, I can tell you right now, nine sacks is never always on the offensive line. Correct. Exclusive. Yeah, you're right. So he held the ball, uh, I think, longer on, on some occasions when he should have gotten rid of it. But the reason why is because he understood that it's better to protect the ball. I'd rather hold on to it. Look, look it's first down, second down, ain't third down. In fact, of the nine sacks, only um, one of those sacks came on third down. So he understands that you could take a sack in the early downs and still come back and convert and pick up a first down and keep the drive alive. He understands how to manage a game in a way that's different for most young quarterbacks. So he's, he's taking sacks, but it's still, it, it, it didn't cost him the game, right? It cost him yardage, yeah. but it didn't cost him game. He didn't throw the ball because he was under pressure and panic as we've seen even veteran quarterbacks do who get pressure that much. He didn't panic and just throw the ball to the other team when getting sacked. So here's a guy that understands game management from the quarterback position, ball protection, and what real key moments are losable moments and which ones are, say, winnable moments. Just because you take a sack doesn't have to be a disastrous moment for the football team. And I think he's understood how to leverage those kind of opportunities and, and be able to overcome them as well. If Solomon Wilcox had to cover Jamar Chase, and of course you're a former DB in the National Football League, how would you do it? And I know you're, what, 57, 58 right now? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get my rosary. I'm going to say a prayer. And then I'm going to call for help for somebody to play over the top. <laughs> that's what you, you got to do. And that's what every last one of these defensive backs, I think, have found out about Jamar Chase, man, this guy's strong. He's quick out of his break. He's explosive. He's got top-end speed. 
He's one of those five-tool players that could do everything you want a receiver to do. Oh, by the way, um, as quiet as it's kept, and I don't know why it's so quiet, the Rams have the same kind of player in Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. He checks every box that you want to. He could beat you deep. He can beat you um, in the underneath route. He's got quickness coming out of his lateral moves, and he's got vertical speed to come out of out of a, a route where he's got to go deep. And he's hard to jam and press at the line of scrimmage because he's strong enough, has great balance, great power, and explosive ability, and can catch anything thrown to him. The, the thing that when I look at Chase that really impresses me is how do you defend him because you, you try to take away the fade, I mean, now it's the back shoulder, right? I mean, and they've got that back shoulder catch down pat him and Burrow. Yeah. And, you know, Fade, you talked about it. He's got such speed. You're going to need help, safety help over the top. It's, he's like, and if all that focus is going to be on Jamar Chase, now it's got to open up stuff for other guys. Right. In T, the and T. Court. Higgins is capable of breaking the game yeah. over himself. He had a stretch uh, where he had three consecutive games over 100 yards receiving during the regular season. He had he's had moments you could see in the postseason against Kansas City, where if you start to overly emphasize trying to take um, Jamar Chase away, T. Higgins is going to eat you alive. On third down, he's going to create plays down the field. He will win against one-on-one coverage. And oh, by the way, Tyler Boyd is a veteran player in this game. There's a reason he's the leader in that room with all those wide receivers. He can break you down from the slot. And uh, just to make sure that those guys get one-on-one coverage outside, um, if, you, um, if you decide you're going to keep the defenders back, Joe Mixon will just shred you against a light box. So they have an offense that can force you to pick your poison because they run it good enough to maintain, uh, make sure that you're going to have single coverage on the outside. And if you decide you're going to double multiple receivers and go light in the box, uh, again, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, they know how to make plays in the run game. Does it start on the D-line defensively for the Bengals? There's no doubt. Trey Hedrickson, yeah. uh, he'll tell you that. Um, but you got to earn the right to rush the quarterback against the Rams. you got to stop Sony Michelle. you got to stop uh, Cam Akers from getting to the second level where play-action pass will work for uh, the Rams' offense. They're, they run similar offenses. Remember, Zach Taylor had been the offensive coordinator here with the Rams, brought that system to Cincinnati. And so they run a very similar style of offense with the same type of mentality in terms of how they go about um, building their offense. And it's through the run game, through play-action pass, you know, then they're going to take their shots down the field. Who's the unsung hero of the Bengals? I mean, we will talk about Hendrickson. We'll talk about Chase Burrow, of course, Mixon, Higgins. I mean, but in your mind, who's that one player that probably doesn't get his due for the Cincinnati Bengals? There are two guys. One won't play in this game, and that's Larry Ogunjobi came over as an unrestricted free agent, as an interior defensive lineman. This guy was phenomenal now. He was the guy that allowed Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson to be what they have been coming off the edges, right? Um, And, of course, he was injured against the Rams, did not play against the Titans, didn't play um, against the uh, Chiefs. But he he has always been a phenomenal player in the middle of this defense for the 2021 season. Um, I think Jesse Bates is another player that you could say um, that many people are finding out just how good he is, uh, and I think he'll make his presence felt in the Super Bowl. On offense, it's it's, uh, C.J. Uzama. Um, You know, go all the way back to the early part of the season. As they start to double-cover guys on the outside, he made teams pay. He's constantly made teams pay. You single-cover me, I'm going to make you pay. And then that forces a defense coordinator. Like, well, God, the tight end's beating us. We took away Higgins. We took away Chase. Now this guy's beating us. And so he's done that all season long from September through October, November, December, and even here in the postseason. Solomon, when you look at this game, where will it be won and lost for the Bengals? For one, um, protect the football. And we've got to get turnovers on defense, right? Yeah. And here's the deal. We've got a secret weapon. That's probably as important as Joe Burrow, just as important as Jamar Chase. His name is Evan McPherson, a rookie field goal kicker who's made four kicks in each one of their three postseason games so far. That's 12 points. He's averaging 12 points per game in the postseason. You can argue this team's not here without the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson, just as much as they're not here without Jamar Chase and Burrow. He is equally that important. 
So he's going to have to make big kicks in this game. There's no doubt. That's how you beat a team like the Rams is you protect the football, you rush the quarterback, and then when you get an opportunity to bang them through, you got to make them. That pass rush of the Rams, I imagine what I talked about earlier, what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly yeah. and try to negate that pass rush. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the other thing with Mixon, run at those guys. Run at a pass yeah. rusher yeah. to kind of, like, take a little of that That's bite what, out of them. To me, it's about protecting the football. If they yeah. don't turn it over on offense, they, I'm gonna tell you, they are going to make their plays. Vaughn Miller, um, Aaron Donald, as good as they are, Leonard Floyd, they're a little light in the box now. Mm-hmm. You can, if you run on them, they don't want to have to play the run. They don't want to fight that fight. Uh, they want to rush the quarterback. Yeah. They want to rush the quarterback. And so, to me, they're, and they're going to make their plays. I believe they're good enough there. But if Joe Burrow protects the football, trust me when I tell you, the Rams secondary has been known. They, they have at least one coverage bust per game. Just write it yeah. down. They're going to give you some points. This is a group. Against the Bengals' offense now. They will make their plays. I really believe And, that. you know, you talk about Bradford and – or, pardon me, Stafford and what he's done um, with that Rams offense. And everybody talked about this. You know, the tail end of the year, he's given up the ball a couple times a game. And then, you know, against the, the 49ers – he had a clean game, yet at the same time, he threw that ball up for grabs to Tart. If Tart makes that catch and San Francisco goes up maybe two scores or maybe even kicks a field goal there as they get the ball at what their own 40, all of a sudden that narrative on Stafford is a different one. So it was there. It just wasn't taken advantage of. The Bengals will have to take advantage of an opportunity like that. Well, if you talk to the Titans, they'll tell you they're, the Bengals secondary is capable of taking advantage of those opportunities. Jesse Bates, first play of the game against the Titans, Interception. Last play of the game against the Titans. Last offensive play for the Titans. Interception by Luke Wilson uh, to set the uh, Bengals up for the game-winning field goal. Um, If you take a look at every single one of these postseason games that the Bengals have played so far, every single one of them have ended with the defense getting an interception against Derek Carr with Jermaine Pratt, against Ryan Tannehill with Luke Wilson, um, against Patrick Mahomes with Von Bale. This team is very opportunistic, and they're very good at making second-half adjustments defensively to really help their team uh, win games. You keep the score down in the second half, they know they have a potent offense enough to put enough points on the board to hopefully come away with the win. Solomon, great stuff. Of course, people can find you and Pac-Man Jones on the Believe Network, your the podcast. Believe Podcast Network. You also can find me on Sirius XM NFL Radio hosting the opening drive. Um, on the NFL channel. Um, Love doing what I'm doing. We're having a lot of fun, and go Bengals. Solomon, great stuff. Always a treat talking to you, and we will uh, keep in touch. All right. Thanks, Moach. Thanks to Solomon Wilcots for stopping by and giving us a preview of the big game. Of course, always great talking to Solly. The biggest game in football, of course, is this Sunday, and the two best places to catch the action are Pioneers Pub and Ladner Landing. The crew at the Pioneers Pub in Richmond are ready to welcome you with the coldest, freshest, and cheapest beer in town, plus food features and football prizing all day long. Meanwhile, at the Ladner Landing, you'll be greeted by the best selection of cold craft beer and plenty of big game prizing and activities. Football Sunday, Catch the game at Pioneers Pub at number three in Williams in Richmond or the Landing Pub and Liquor Store in Ladner. Next, Nasty Apparatio, a.k.a. Well, Nestor Nasty Apparatio from WNST in Baltimore stops by. We'll talk about the big game with him, and we'll talk about what's up with the Ravens. This is the Super Bowl Show presented by Northwest Tank Lines. Looking for tires? Looking to meet your automotive needs? Looking for great service? Well, it's the Moge, and whenever it comes to tires or meeting those automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire and Langley. OK Tire and Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire and Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. Hey, it's the Moge, and if you're looking to stock up for the big game, well, we will tell you three great plays. If you're in New Westminster, check out the Rivers Reach Liquor Store on 6th Street. In Port Moody, visit the Newport Liquor Store, and in Coquitlam, stop by the Johnston Street Liquor Store. Three stores with a lot in common. A great selection of wine, beer, and spirits, great service, and great prices. 
So huddle up at the River's Reach, Johnston Street, and Newport Liquor Stores to score big. This is the Super Bowl Show, presented by Northwest Tank Lines, and sponsored in part by The Landing Pub and Grill in Ladner, OK Tire Langley, and the River's Reach Liquor Store. Now, here again from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 in L.A., Bob the Moj Marjanovic. This is the Northwest Tank Line Super Bowl show slash podcast. It's the Moj, Bob Marjanovich. Our next guest, well, he's a guy who's been around Radio Row for a long time. If you are a long-time 1040 listener, you might remember in the early days we carried Sporting News Radio with Nasty Apparatio, now out of Baltimore. I was on there, really? You were in Vancouver, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just learned that. You just well, you learn something new every day. No wonder I got good dim sum when I was there. <laughs> WNST <laughs> in Baltimore. What's this for you at Radio Row? How many years? 28. Wow. I missed last year. Yeah, so, so did we. Been, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, my first one was in Minneapolis. Um, I was a sports writer at the Evening Sun, and I love the Houston Oilers. And John Stebman, uh, who's a Hall of Fame writer, he passed many years ago, but, you know, friend to Pete Rozelle, kind of mm-hmm. was at the pool when Namath made the guarantee, you know, one of those kind of guys, right? And covered the Colts and was an old Colts PR director. Um, the Houston Oilers were good that year. I thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl. Stebman got me tickets. It was in Minneapolis. And uh, I drove to Minneapolis in my Jeep. And uh, with my buddy John Raffalides, and uh, we wanted to meet Prince. We didn't. <laughs> but I did. I sat at the 50-yard line on the, at the Super Bowl, and I went to the Hyatt and did radio. Uh, I was brand new to radio. I'd been doing radio four weeks with Kenny Albert. And uh, I, I did hits from the Hyatt in downtown Minneapolis in 1992. The Thurman Thomas mm-hmm. forgot the helmet. I didn't go to the next couple. I was on the, I've been on the – it's my 31st year on the radio this year. I didn't, now, keep in mind, we didn't have a team, right? So, so Baltimore no. didn't have the Ravens now. So, um, yeah, the CFLers, the Stallions. You're, you're sta- that's when I went to Vancouver the first time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, no. I was there when BC stole that game. Louis Pasagli, field goal right at the end. Dude, there was some questionable officiating. <laughs> there was some Canadian officiating going on. Some up hometown there. cooking. God, I love your town. God, you make me want to come back to Vancouver. Anyway, so uh, I didn't go to the next couple. So I didn't go to the Rose Bowl, right? So mm-hmm. 93, 94, I didn't go to, to Atlanta. And then the next Super Bowl was Phoenix, which was the Neil O'Donnell um, Dallas uh, Switzer Cowboys game when O'Donnell threw the interceptions. And then we got the team. Literally, we got the team two months before then. I had been in Vancouver, and then we played in the Grey Cup in Regina, right? Like the next year, really cold day, as I remember, and and won that one. But I wasn't there because we had just gotten the Ravens. And then once the Ravens got in, I mean, I started coming around. I mean, every year we came, and we love being here. We've we've won twice. We haven't lost one, thank God, but we've lost some championship games. But um, it's great to be here in Los Angeles. I heard you say, we're Radio Row in Los Angeles. I'm like, man, I've never said that. You know, I've said like Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Minneapolis, Atlanta, Jacksonville. Um, this is this is going to be incredible with the Rams being in. It's a great week here. See, good news, bad news. Good news is you got back into the NFL. Bad news is you go to Cleveland instead of Vancouver. So, Look, man, I'll come to Vancouver anytime. You know, I, I like, I, I love everything about it. It's just a long way away. Man. It is, it is. I need, like, you two to start a tour there or something, you know? Yeah. Well, we came up, we had you to Vancouver when you two started that tour. And uh, we took you to Sun Suiwa, Dim Sum on Main. Second floor, man. You, you got treated like time. a king there, man. Yeah. They greeted you at the door. They, they must have said, oh, you must be with Nasty Nestor. It was on the radio in Vancouver <laughs> in 1999. <laughs> Hey, before we talk about the game, let's talk a little about the Ravens because, I mean, that's a team that you know inside and out. Um, watching that team from afar, there were points of the year where, you know, the, the, the Ravens were the, the flavor du jour, right? Everybody was buying stock on the Ravens. But in the end, I think it was just like the injuries just crushed that team because, I mean, you lose your backfield in the preseason. But if this team is healthy next year, where do you see this team at? Well, I think the hardest part of evaluating them, and this is what I thought at the last press conference when they lost the sixth game in a row and the season was over, it, it sort of feels like if you're in eighth grade and you got the, you know, the mumps and you didn't go to school, you get an incomplete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt very, I can't be harsh. And, and I know, like, everybody wants Greg Roman fired, right? Like, the fans and, uh, and Wink Martindale's the one that winds up going out. And uh, 
in the case of Harbaugh, the new defensive coordinator is like a little bit of a stepson to him. You know, he brought him in as an intern when he was in his 20s, loved him up. He only knows the Raven way, went and coached his brother's defensive team for Michigan last year, and then he brought him back. So the notion that Mike McDonald's this young 30-something defensive coordinator, that doesn't shock me. That's kind of the way Harbaugh would want to have a tree and do that. The way Wink was shown the gate, to your point, like, didn't have any cornerbacks. Didn't have anybody get to get after the quarterback. Uh-huh. The other, the offense wasn't holding the ball. The defense was on the field. He's back there playing with guys they brought in off the street in week 10, week 12. Um, so it's no shock that they lost a lot of games. And look, when you lose your starting quarterback and you've built your entire program around this kid, you're, you're drafting around him, you're getting wide receivers around him, you're trying to run the ball, you're trying to be in second and short all the time, and he gets hurt you know, eight and three turns into eight and nine, right? I mean, that shouldn't shock anyone. If Joe Burrow would have gotten hurt, eight and three would have become eight and nine. So losing without your starting quarterback, I don't think there's any shame in that. And I don't know that heads need to roll, but it's a National Football League. You're eight and three and you you don't make the playoffs. Um, Heads roll when that happens. And in this case, it won't be Harbaugh. It won't be DaCosta. Team has a new president. They made a 6 p.m. announcement on Friday night that – 18-year, 76-year-old team president's going to be stepping down. And they've hired Sashi Brown, who everybody knows from the Browns, and uh, he won't be running football uh, in, in the Ravens organization, but he'll be running the, the business and the operations. And so it, it's the end of an era in a lot of ways in Baltimore. And I've seen that over 26 years now having the Ravens. I mean, 28 Super Bowls or whatever. The fan base changes over. And I don't know if you know the Canucks go through that or any organization would go through that to say who is in the seats – Um, but the people in my section are all gone from 25 years. Hmm. Dead, moved on, sold tickets, pissed about the knee, politics, Trump, all of that. And now they're trying to sell the game to new people. And they're going to need to do that in the same way that my generation picked it up when the Colts left town. But the fans and the seats and all – fixing the thing on the field is about – having healthy running backs for them and having an offensive line uh, they need to be in second and short and I've never really thought it's a great idea to have your quarterback run into linebackers so the last time I talked to John Harbaugh he was mad at me because Lamar ran the ball 21 times against the Minnesota Vikings in an overtime game trying to like desperately win that game they won it then they went down to Miami and got crushed four days later and then the next week Lamar had a miracle against the Browns and then they never won again in terms of Lamar's ceiling, where he's going to—I mean, clearly we talked about—you know—you talked about it. His ability to run the football is, is something that is, you know, one of his best weapons. But he's not going to be able to do that forever, right? So, where do you see the ceiling, the window for his best, and obviously the best chance for the Ravens to succeed on the field? Well, we talked about what happened two years ago, right? They were fourteen and two. They were in second and one all day long, right? They were just running the ball. Nobody knew what to do with it. Then they ran into the Titans, and then since then. It's been a struggle. It's been a struggle in a lot of ways because keeping running backs healthy, replacing Marshall Yonda has really been um, a, a big problem. When, when Matt Burke left after Flacco, things weren't the same. When Yonda, after Yonda and Ronnie Stanley getting hurt, and they gave Ronnie Stanley a $150 million deal, and he got hurt the next week. And as Harbaugh said in the press conference last week and Eric DaCosta, they were counting on their left tackle to be there. He wasn't there all year. They played with Alejandro Villanueva, right? There is no Marshall Yonda. They signed Zeitler. They were happy with Zeitler. But what they designed the team to be, as we sat around last April with the draft, May into mini camps, June into, hey, let's go to training camp, most of the players they thought that they were going to be able to count on were not available. And that's not just Ronnie Stanley and Nick Boyle and guys coming back from injuries. That's losing running backs in training camp, three of them in a week and a half. Um, Ronnie Stanley never really getting on the field. And then defensively on the backside, getting devastated. So, I mean, incomplete is what I would call it. And I'm not angry or you'd say, what can they do? They need to get their players back. I mean, they, yeah. they need to get Dobbins back. They need to get Peters back. They need to get Marlon Humphrey back. They need to figure out whether Stanley's going to play, whether Nick Boyle's going to play. The one good part is the wide receivers have come along this year. Is there one glaring area, though, that needs to be addressed? Offensive line. Yeah. To me, they got to run. If you're, you want to run the ball better, that's where it's got to start. Nasty Apparatio is our guest, WNST in Baltimore. 
Nasty, this game, this Super Bowl game, I mean, I mean, I was telling other people, I mean, if you're playing Madden and you got the Rams and the Bengals into the Super Bowl, you go, man, this thing's not realistic. This, game, this is not going to happen. And here we are with these two teams in the Super Bowl. Um, I just look at this matchup, and to me the biggest thing is how do they negate that pass rush that the Rams have? Because clearly the offensive line is an issue for the Bengals, but we've seen what they do. They get the ball out of Burroughs' hands quick. They get a lot of yak yardage. I mean, look at the, the numbers against Tennessee when they played them. I mean, there's a part of me that says this is all Rams, and yet there's a part of me that says this is going to be a competitive game. It's astonishing to me because I, you know, like, I attend the owners' meetings and stuff, and I remember when being there and they said the Rams are moving to L.A., and we're going to you know, screw the Raiders and the Chargers. And, you know, we're going to put the stadium in Inglewood. Kroenke's going to move the franchise. To think five, six years ago that happens, they've got a Super Bowl here, the team here. But they really loaded up, right? I mean, we might be talking about the Rams on draft day the next couple of years for based, based on what they've done here. They've loaded up, whether it's Von Miller, whether it was getting Jalen Ramsey a couple years ago. They have tried to make this the show in L.A. And I'll tell you, I got here to get my media credential on Sunday, and I walked three blocks through this convention center, one side to the other, through thousands of fans. And I saw tons of Rams jerseys on kids, black, white, young, old, female, you, you know, Hispanic community, large, like all the way through. I saw Aaron Donald. I saw, I saw old golf jerseys, right, like Ramsey. Finally, I come back, and I saw two wayward Chargers fans. <laughs> <laughs> wearing a Bosa jersey and a and Herbert jersey, right? Father and son. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the Chargers are here too, yeah. right? So you, you talk about the Ram, what they've done as an organization and the importance for this. But they're they're trying to win over the community here. And, and I think that's difficult to do when you left for older people, when Jack Youngblood and, you know, when Jerome Bettis, who I had on the show last yeah. week, w- when that era left down in Anaheim and went away, they're trying to do this new thing. They're in their second Super Bowl. They're the home team. This place should be jazzed about it, but I don't think it can be jazzed in the same way that Vancouver could be about the Canucks or Baltimore could be about the Orioles, right? It's because you have a whole generation of fans that hasn't grown up with this team, right? I mean, to, But they're to, down here now. And they they, they are, are now. It's, it's coming now, but I mean— But this is, every, this is a wet dream for Roger Goodell, like the yeah. dream for 25 years. When they put the Houston Texans in Houston, that's a long time ago— this was the other place. They were always dangling, dangling, dangling. Yeah. When Al Davis was alive, this was a Raiders town, right? I mean, L.A., right? It probably still is to some degree. Mm-hmm. But that stadium and what the game represents and them being at it, it's, it's almost scripted. <laughs> you know, it, it's what crazy. You it's crazy in the sense that you know, I always thought about this, that the second biggest market in the U.S. did not have an NFL team. For 25 years. And. The NFL killed it during that time, and right? And they bring two in. And then, yeah, well, the Chargers are kind of like that a poor Joey Bosa fan. Oh, it's just know? like, you know, the thing is with the Chargers, it's like <laughs> all the fans in San Diego don't want to come up because they're still pissed about what happened and losing their team. Be. As they should be. And here in L.A., you mentioned, I think you could probably go Rams, Raiders, and then Chargers in terms of fan interest. We in played out here, uh, we played out here twice, the Ravens have, in the last five years. And we, had one, we drew one of the Carson games. Mm-hmm. Week before Christmas, I'm sitting in a little soccer pitch. It was cute. It was like a community college game. You know what I mean? And and the Ravens played in the Powder Blues. It was during the Lamar freight train year. He was four. I mean, they that was exciting. It was a great mm-hmm. year. And, and and then we played in the Memorial Coliseum two years ago in that Monday night game. Just freight, just boat race the Rams. It was like 55 to 10 or something crazy. And we were wearing those purple uniforms and they're wearing those mustard yellows the color rush games yeah so i mean coming out here there was many lamar fans as there were rams fans here two years ago when i came out here you know they were selling lamar stuff on the street easy ticket for fans for visiting fans it is well now they built this giant stadium the 49ers fans came in here and flooded them twice right but they're here and they've mortgaged the future to a large degree right to bring in these players they, they need to win. They feel like they want to have a chance. Stafford, I mean, what do people think of Matt Stafford the last 12 years? And now he's up on the – I'm looking over your shoulder. He's yeah. right up there in a giant form. I mean, um, it's a great game. We haven't talked about Burrow at all, and I'm in the AFC North, and that dude's going to be trouble for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, that's my concern is that we're on the front end of seeing something special with him because – it, it's like seeing a, a horse run at the Kentucky. You know, you see the pedigree. Yep. You see what he did at LSU. You see the fiery brains. You see the leadership. Hey, imagine when he gets an offensive line. 
how scary he could be at that point. Well, I mean, he's got they, – they've done a great job last year and a half. You talk about how quickly this can happen, you turn it around, right? You say, where's Lamar's window? might have been two years ago because it happens quick. Yeah. And now Lamar's a $25 million player this year, $22 million player. Then he's going to be a $40 million yeah. player. And then, then things change. He certainly changed for Joe Flacco in Baltimore you know, once they started paying him a lot of money. And I would say the same thing for the Rams. The Rams' window is the Super Bowl's here, it's here, they have the players here because – they're not going to be able to keep this thing together. They, 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 there's too much salary cap there. And, quite frankly, they're not going to have draft picks next couple of years. So, Who wins it and why? I think the Bengals win because I think Joe Burrow. That, uh, okay. I, that, I just have a feeling. I don't know. I watched the kid walk on water two weeks ago. I, after seeing that, as a Ravens fan, I'm a little frightened. <laughs> Nasty, great stuff as usual, my man. When you come to Vancouver, Sun Suiwa, we're heading back there, my friend. Oh, man. Can we go? I'm closer to you than I am to going home. Maybe I could stop by. There you go. Do Just a little detour. detour. I didn't bring my passport. <laughs> didn't stop me from getting into Canada last time, though. Yeah, a little different this time. Nasty, great <laughs> stuff. Appreciate it. All the best. And we'll talk to you soon, my man. Uh, I got to go to Banff. We're going to do a tour show with you. Like We'll just talk about Canadian hotspots, vacations. Oh, I'd love vacations to Vacations with Nasty. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would, I'd love to do that. Banff. Take you to like, I've yeah. been to Nova Scotia. I've been to, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been to all these places. I love Canada. Thank you to Nestor Nasty Apparatio out of WNST in Baltimore for stopping by. Before we get to our next guest, got to tell you about, well, the good folks at OK Tires, the Delaney's, Brett and Clayton, looking for tires, well, looking to meet your automotive needs, looking for great service. Well, when it comes to meeting all of those needs, all you have to do is go to one place, OK Tire in Langley. OK Tire in Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's all about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire in Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. What's going on in Green Bay? What happened to the Packers? They're supposed to be here in L.A. They're not. Bill Michaels from Green Bay is. He'll give us the latest on the pack and Super Bowl 56. The biggest game in football is this Sunday. And the two best places to catch the action are Pioneers Pub and Ladner Landing. The crew at Pioneers Pub in Richmond are ready to welcome you with the coldest, freshest, cheapest beer in town. Plus, food features and football pricing all day long. Meanwhile, at Ladner Landing, you'll be greeted by the best selection of cold craft beer and plenty of big game pricing and activities. Football Sunday. Catch the game at Pioneers Pub at number three in Williams in Richmond or the Landing Pub and Liquor store in Latin. Why spend hours searching dealerships, comparing makes and models? Find the best of BC's inventory in one place, todaysdrive.com. You'll have access to inventory across BC, where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. Get in the driver's seat. Don't miss out on the many options we have available for you. Powered by Black Press Media, todaysdrive.com connects you with exclusive new and used car deals. Northwest Tank Lines is North America's premier tank truck company. Northwest hauls more than 50,000 bulk loads every year safely and on time. It's why Northwest Tank Lines is the company others want to be. A family business with dedicated employees since 1955, Northwest Tank Lines provides exceptional service, state-of-the-art equipment, and the leading drivers. Northwest Tank Lines, driven to deliver. For more information, visit northwesttanklines.com. This is the Super Bowl Show, presented by Northwest Tank Lines, and sponsored in part by the Pioneers Pub Richmond, OK Tire Langley, and the Rivers Reach Liquor Store. Now, here again from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56 in L.A., Bob the Moj Marjanovic. This is the Northwest Tank Line Super Bowl show coming to you from Radio Row in Los Angeles. We're at the convention center, of course, Super Bowl 56 featuring the Cincinnati Bengals and the hometown Los Angeles Rams. We're going to talk about that game as well as the Green Bay Packers with our man from Wisconsin. He is Bill Michaels. He hosts the Bill Michaels Show weekdays from 10 a.m. through 2 p.m. on, I believe, 19 stations now through the great state of, uh, great state of Wisconsin. Billy, welcome. Good. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm also from Cincinnati originally. I know that. I yeah, was going to get so to that. Yeah. It's been uh, between my daughter who called me up and said, "Hey, Dad, can you buy me some tickets?" Uh, immediately, I said no. And then she said, "Well, I want to come to LA anyway and be a part of it, so I'm going to stay with you." And I said, uh, no. I've, "I no. I got yeah. staff, and we don't have a bed, and mm-hmm. we don't even have a couch for you." So, 
I pretty much pissed off my family, so I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty happy about that. But uh, I mean, yeah, it's other than that, it's it's good. We we just I still can't believe after you know a couple of weeks in that Green Bay is not here. Uh, when everything stacked up for them to win this time, uh, you know now you really have to take a hard look at Rodgers. What happened? Um, the same thing that happened a, a year ago. You know, you had a, a third and eleven and. Instead of taking a guy over the middle that's wide open and move the chains, he wants to do it his way, and he went with Devontae Adams three straight times. Last year, same thing. Down near the goal line, all he had to do was kind of make the sticks move or run the ball either into the end zone or down near the one or the two, and instead three straight times you try to force it to Devontae Adams because he wants Devontae to get those catches. He wants him to get the sticks. He wants him to get the notoriety because he's coming up on a contract. And... I, I, what we saw this year at training camp was a seismic shift in power. And while we thought it was for the good because Rodgers was coming back and he seemed to be happy and, you know, the management was glad to get him back, we also saw it, it wasn't a training camp. It was, it was an Aaron Rodgers' back reunion. And while, don't get me wrong, he performed unbelievably this season. He played extremely well. But there was something that was brought up to me throughout the season, and it was stated that there are winners and there are champions. Dan Marino was a winner. Brett Favre was a winner. Aaron Rodgers is a winner. But Tom Brady was a champion. Terry Bradshaw is a champion. You know, Troy Edmonds, you can go through that list. Mm -hmm. And there's something innate about guys that when the chips are down, they rise up. Look at what Joe Burrow did this year and what he did in the postseason. You look at what Kansas City has with Patrick Mahomes. Look at what went on between Brady and Matthew Stafford. And then you watch Aaron Rodgers, and Fanside, I thought, did a great article. Nine drives in his postseason career since the Super Bowl. Nine drives in the fourth quarter in which it was one score. It could have either tied up or won the game. He is one for nine. That's an amazing stat. And it is. And And eventually you have to look at Aaron Rodgers and say, you know what, with everything that's gone on, You've got to start taking some accountability here for your failures. Do you know what I found interesting in, in that game is that the narrative out of the game was Green Bay special teams. Well, here's a newsflash for you. Green Bay, as you know, right. their special teams have been horrible all year long, Terrible. and they were 13-4. and four, Terrible. Right? So yeah. it, it just it was amazing how much focus there was on the special teams. When you look at the offense that scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and then after that, it was a field goal and whatever, 183 yards yeah. total offense. Right. They, it's almost like they got a free pass. Two things that were very similar from last year to this year. One is that when uh, Aaron Jones coughed the ball up against the Buccaneers, it took the wind out of the sails of the Packers. They never recovered. Same thing. Mercedes Lewis, second drive. They're moving. Things are really good. He coughs the ball up, took the wind, wind out of their sails. They never recovered. You're right about the special teams. Had the special teams failed and the offense was normal, they win the game. They score 25, 30 points, they win the game. Had the offense been failures, but yet the special teams just were average and didn't give up any points, they still win the game. You just couldn't have monumental failures in both two out of three of your your units to be able to win that contest. And the one thing I give Shanahan credit for, he said in the postgame presser, was that you know they knew pound for pound they couldn't go against Aaron Rodgers and that team. He, at least they didn't think so. And he said, we did see an area where we could kind of go for it. That was special teams because they had been – they cared so much about how bad their coverage was, they didn't give two darns about blocking for a punter or blocking for the field goal unit. They didn't care because they were so worried about just the execution of the process, you know. And that's where Shanahan said, we, we can exploit this. We can do something here. And that's exactly what they did. So kudos to them for what they saw. And shame on the Green Bay Packers for allowing this problem to be accentuated in such a distra- just a catastrophic manner. Is Aaron Rodgers a Green Bay Packer next year? I think so. Uh, seven, at, at first I thought, you know what, 60 70% of me. But I'm probably even more in the camp of 75 80% that he is. Uh, if you read what Mark Murphy, the Packers president, had, he writes a letter to the fans. Um, and he wrote a letter while well, he was, <clears throat> excuse me, he was very stern about this was a chance that they let go by the wayside. This was unacceptable. But he also said very much that they want him back. Everybody's in agreement they want him back. And uh, that Russ Ball, who is the finance guy, uh, is a master at working, you know, the, the magic, so to speak, with the salary cap. So they'll figure this out. But what you don't hear anybody say is Jordan loves Reddy. 
Nobody says Jordan Love's ready. Yeah. I know he's not ready. I mean, there's people in Green Bay that say, well, you've got to give him a chance. He's got to get some playing time and what have you. But the bottom line is when, when Favre was wavering and they said, no, we need, a, we need it now. And Favre loved to be able to say, I, I don't know if I'm going to, and then come walking in before camp and get the adulation. Favre loved that. Yeah. They got tired of dealing with it. They knew Rodgers was ready. So let's just force, you know, Brett into making a decision, of which he did. We all knew he'd take his ball and go home, which he did. They said, here's your locker. Talk to you later. We know Aaron Rodgers is ready to be our guy. They're not saying that. But what they're saying is we'll do anything to get Aaron Rodgers back because what we see is after 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, it's over. It's going to be the end of an era, and we're going to go back to being just another team, scrapping and, and fighting and clawing, just trying to get to the postseason. And now you've got a new head coach in Chicago. You've got a new head coach in Minnesota. And they've all said in their press conferences, we plan on winning the North. We're taking the North away. They're in the crosshairs. They've always been, but you've always had the salvo of being, hey, do what you want to do. We've got the quarterback. They don't have that anymore. If, if Rodgers leaves, it's over, and we all know it. And then the rebuild begins. Bill Michaels is our guest. The Bill Michaels Show, heard throughout the great state of Wisconsin, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily there. How long do you think the window's open for the Packers? I think if you look at what Brady has done, Brady's 44, going to be 45 this year. If Rodgers, who really fashions himself a a Brady-esque guy and the way he takes care of himself, I would assume he can play another four or five years. So you'd have a good window. Now, whether or not you can keep Devontae Adams, keep Bakhtiari, who had basically zero snaps this year with that knee injury, uh, Robert Tanyan, one of their favorite uh, tight end targets, so to speak. Um, You know, what are you going to do with Jair Alexander, one of the better cover corners in the league, because he's coming up for a contract. You've got quite a few. Devondre Campbell, who they discovered and became the steal of the season. Outstanding linebacker play. Rasul Douglas in the defensive backfield. Uh, Stokes, Eric Stokes, was their rookie coming in to take over for Kevin King in in the defensive backfield. What they don't have is play alongside Kenny Clark, their nose tackle, Dean Lowry was good but wasn't great and still hasn't lived up to his contract. They need to figure out that money, some of the defensive end stuff. But their offensive line is set. Their running backs are set. Their wide receivers, eh, you know, you're not going to bring Randall Cobb back if you don't mm-hmm. bring Devontae. You know, so you got to figure that stuff out, the weaponry. But they're still a good team. But in this league, you know, it's about quarterback play. So I think if they can keep the band together for another year, maybe push the can down the road a little bit monetarily and say – in two years when that money starts to come in and that salary cap goes up exponentially, maybe they get back to break even and then they kind of go from there. Otherwise, I think you just try to overpay for everybody. Get, the only way you're going to do it, guaranteed contracts with everybody making a million bucks this year. And you get in under the cap, you keep the band together, but those contracts are going to come due. And all of a sudden you're looking at, you know what it was like after Steve Young left. Yeah. You're in salary cap jail and you've got five years of nothingness because yeah. just a sinkhole unless you hit on every draft choice because you don't have anything. So I think that's where the Packers are headed. But they know once you get beyond that sinkhole, there's nothing. They don't have, they don't have Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wing. And it's all about quarterback playing in the National Football League. So when little Billy was growing up in Cincinnati – I can't imagine you being little. <laughs> You're probably like. It's funny. <laughs> my cousin just posted a picture of all of, the, all of us together. Yeah. I was like six years old. Yeah, and you were like, what, and, five, seven? And I'm bigger than the 18-year-olds. <laughs> I, I really was. I was six five. I was six five in sixth grade. Wow. And, yeah. And my, my, my girlfriend, I had uh, uh, posted a Little League picture of me from eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And they're like, she's looking at it. And she's like, well, who's that? Was it your coach? I'm like, that's me. I'm bigger than all the adults. At the time, and I was in eighth grade. So, like I said, it's very difficult yeah. for me to picture little Billy. But were you a Bengals fan? Did you have the Kenny Anderson jersey? I did. I had. Uh, I I didn't have the Anderson jersey. I had a Pete Johnson jersey. Was my first jersey. Oh, running back. And then uh, Bujnak, who played uh, guard, okay. because you had Max Montoya and, and Anthony Munoz for that team that ended up going oh. to a Super Bowl. I had a Bujnak jersey because the Bujnaks lived up the road from my my cousins. So everybody called everybody Buj. You know that was mm-hmm. a big thing. But uh, I grew up a Packers fan. My mom and dad loved Bart Starr so, and Lombardi, loved him. But we were, a Bengals, we were a Bengals family. So, you know, we loved Paul Brown. Can't stand Mike, Mike Brown. 
By the way, Cincinnati should take up a donation because that guy, the best line I heard was, he looked like he, he stole Columbo's jacket. <laughs> and, and his hat is from, like, 1972. So hopefully somebody in Cincinnati gives him some better attire. <laughs> he could just see him in a meeting. Just just one more question. Yeah. <laughs> but that uh, that bowl game, that uh, or not bowl game, but the, uh, the playoff game between them and San Diego in which it was 56 degrees below zero, mm-hmm. the wind chill, I was at that game. Really? So, yeah, my dad took me. That was the one time my dad just splurged on a playoff game and said, let's go, and that was the game. And they were actually parking cars on the Ohio River because it froze over. Oh, my gosh. You know, that was the week after Miami had played San Diego yes. in that game where Kellen Winslow gets carried, carried off the, off the field, field. And I'll it's never like, forget you that. know, it was the humidity and the heat, and then they go from one extreme yeah. to the other the following week. You know, we look at Burrow, and I'm just amazed at – what he can do on yeah. a football field and i'm thinking to myself what were they thinking at ohio state when right this kid didn't play they let for him, him go yeah 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 i i completely i'm completely and you're an ohio him. state guy yeah, yeah, I'm an ohio so. state guy when he left it was you, you didn't realize what you had and you, you knew he was good mm-hmm. you know we all knew what he was and you knew he was mr ohio football and you watched him come up because he played against my elder panthers which was my high school coming up through high school uh, and going to the state so you knew how good he was then. I don't think you realize this, but if you had said to me, if you'd have called me up three years ago and said, hey, let's make a bet. Joe Burrow is going to lead the Cincinnati Bengals to a Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, he's going to play Matthew Stafford and the Rams. Let's meet in L.A. and have a cigar. How much do you want to bet? I would have taken you up on that bet, and I would have owed you my house, my car, and my kids before it was all said. Hey, I, I never I, would have thought that. My, my running gag this week is the fact that if you were to play Madden and to get the Bengals and the Rams in the Super Bowl, you go, this isn't realistic. No, Who did no, these ratings? Right. This can't happen. Right. No. Right? It's Hollywood. It's a script. It's yeah. a lie. It's a movie. It's, it's apparition. Here they are. What are some of the big narratives going into this game for you? Well, I, I think first and foremost that just a, a, two years ago, Joe Burrow was winning a championship uh, down at LSU, and then Ogeron gets fired a couple of years later. Now you've got him after a, an injury-plagued rookie season. That quickly turning it around. And you go back to what my discussion was with Aaron Rodgers. Look what he did in that game in Kansas City, how he led that team. Look what they did against Tennessee. Look how they've taken, like, eat, being on the road and eating it like candy. So I think you look at Joe Burrow, but more so the defensive front that the L.A. Rams bring, led by Von Miller and Aaron Darnold, against that absolutely craptastic offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals and how they're going to keep Joe Burrow upright. And he took nine sacks in that game against Tennessee and still was able to rally that, that group and, and beat Tennessee. So can they protect him so he doesn't get killed? And then I think you're going to get an unsung hero somewhere. You're probably going to get a pick. Defensively, they're pretty good. They're not great, but defensively, they're pretty good. And who are you going to cover? You're going to cover Cooper Cup? Because they don't have enough guys to cover what the Rams throw at them. And then the question is going to be, does Matthew Stafford make Matthew Stafford L.A. plays, or does he revert back and make one of those hey, the Detroit Lions plays? Billy, I keep that, telling people, that play was there with Tart dropping oh, that ball. Right, right. It was there. They right? just didn't take advantage if of it. If they take advantage of it, we don't get a chance to see his wife try to steal the spotlight in the blue leather pants and jump around him mm-hmm. and riding for the full eight seconds like she's out of a rodeo. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's an interesting way of describing it, but yes. you get the idea. I mean, if Tart makes that catch, they were up by three at the time. They get the ball maybe close to their own 40, maybe midfield. Who knows, depending on the return. But if they kick a field goal or if they even go out there, and what does that do for Stafford now, right. having thrown that pick? Right. It was there. It just wasn't taken advantage of. But, you know, when you look at Cincinnati, the thing that really impresses me about Burrow, two things. He gets the ball out of his hands quick. Mm-hmm. And number two, you look at the, the yak yardage they had against Tennessee. Yes. It's like 242 out of 350 right. was yak. So, I mean, if they get the ball in the hands of these athletes, they're going to do something with it. I, I also think you you, you got to look for a little bit of a run game with Mixon. If Mixon yeah. gives you, say, 80 yards on 20-something carries, I think that really takes a lot of the pressure off of Burrow. Because Mixon, if he gets into the second level, he can he can yep. break one. He's not going to take it to the house 80 yards, but he can run over a few people on his way there. He's a strong running back. I still, though, I mean, their, their tight end looks like he's going to be healing and he yep. should be able to play in this game, Uzma. But I'm, I'm still thinking it's got, there has to be a defensive play that has to capitalize on a Matthew Stafford mistake because Burrow doesn't make them. Yep. Burrow will throw one up and maybe a receiver doesn't come back and knock it down. But I don't think you're necessarily going to look at this and say it's the Jamar Chase game. 
I think it's Burrow spreading the ball around, a little bit of a run game, staying upright and gutting one out if they're going to win this. I still think L.A. wins the game, but if Cincinnati should win it, Burrow guts it out, and then somebody makes a play defensively to kind of seal the deal. And the one thing we've learned about Burrow, and you talk about the game with nine quarterback sacks, this guy, he he doesn't get rattled. I mean, this guy's got poise no matter what happens, whether they are down by 10 in the fourth quarter, whether he is getting sacked nine times in a football game, this guy keeps it together. He um, he amazed me at his press conference when he started wearing the diamond Joe Burrow necklace. Have you seen that? Yeah. And they were he was at, somebody was asked and they said, "Man, that's really big. Is that real?" And he said, "I'm Joe Burrow, and I got enough money. You better believe the diamonds are real." <laughs> and that's when I stepped back and I went, "This guy's got more bravado than Aaron uh, Rodgers coming out of a postseason in which he thinks he didn't do anything wrong." I'm like, "Wow, uh, that guy's got it. He's got a swagger. So he's feeling it." So. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to be eating humble pie or eating just a lot of turf, but I, I have a feeling L.A.'s going to win. But I, I tell you what, he's a fun guy to watch, and they've got a lot of success ahead of him. And then also the other thing, McVay's a really good coach. And I don't know what to make of Zach Taylor. That defense played like crap in the first half against Patrick Mahomes, and then they flipped the switch. They went from soft zone to press man. And then all of a sudden all they did was they didn't have the pocket go around uh, Patrick Mahomes and upfield. They just contained him. And chased them. Yep. And if they can do the same thing to Stafford, there's no way Stafford's going to be able to beat them. Bill, outstanding as usual. So glad to see you at Radio Row. Oh, back God, here. yeah. We uh, got cigars to smoke, yeah, we got a whole bourbon to drink. Hell, yeah. This it's is awesome, man. This is like a reunion. Thank God we're back. Bill, thanks for doing this. You bet, pal. Good stuff with Bill Michaels. Of course, uh, Bill out of Wisconsin covers the Packers. Knows, well, as you heard, all the ins and outs with the Pack. And, of course, giving us his thoughts on Super Bowl 56. That's a wrap for hour number one. Hour number two is coming up. Big thank you, of course, to our sponsors, Northwest Tank Lines, presenting sponsor for our Super Bowl shows. Search, browse, buy. Black Press Media brings you today's drive. Find your new vehicle on our exclusive platform and get driving. At todaysdrive.com, you'll have access to inventory across B.C. where you can easily find a vehicle that fits your needs and gets you where you need to go in comfort. With new and used vehicles from the dealership around the corner and dealers across B.C., the best venue to find your next vehicle is todaysdrive.com.